And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week, like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team. Smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up today. You heard? Aziz. AJ, I, I see you, player. Come on. Welcome to Athletic Podcast. Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are coming to you rested, refreshed. Uh, We both took a week off on vacation and we're coming back. Celtics news happened to happen while we were both away. They signed two big extensions, Marcus Smart. Four years, $77 million. Robert Williams, four years, $54 million. And what we thought was an offseason that was all about flexibility for next year's free agency class. We'll throw that entirely out the window because we're just getting the gang back together and uh, getting together that core four. Well, I guess I'll call him a core four. Why not? But, Jay, what were your reaction? I guess we'll start with Marcus Smart. What was your reaction to the Celtics uh, signing him to a four-year, $77 million extension. It seemed totally fair for both sides. He's a starter, making starter money. He should theoretically be entering the prime of his career. Um, I do think that he's a player that when he gets taken care of, um, it could actually impact his play. Like It could convince him he doesn't need to shoot more often. It could convince him to kind of tone down some of his more bravado plays. Um, you think, you just, think he was just shooting for the contract? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't think that really goes through his head. But if, if I recall correctly, the last time he came back from signing a new contract, he had a very low usage rate. And obviously it was one of the years when they were really um, – kind of loaded as a team that was the year they had Kyrie and all those guys but I remember talking to him and he he did say that that having that contract kind of gave him a peace of mind and and so that stuff matters to guys you know there's so much money going around and so much money at risk that that even if you're not primarily focused on that it it can come into play um 
but yeah, from a selfish perspective, I'm excited. Marcus Smart is sticking around. He's one of the more insightful guys on the team, one of the guys with an actual personality, so that's good. And uh, I do think the Celtics are very interested in Marcus Smart at point guard, and we'll see how that looks over this coming season next to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. These two contracts, um, the two extensions rather, signify that that the Celtics, um, you know, they wanted to keep this young core around. Obviously, smart Robert Williams, anybody could be used as a trade piece, uh, but to, to lock those guys up and have kind of four key pieces to build around is is Brad Stevens' first, like, kind of move toward building a nucleus for the future. Yeah, I think it was interesting because we heard about a lot of the earlier moves as the Celtics are doing everything they can to maintain flexibility. And I think everyone immediately jumped to the conclusion that's like, oh, they're going to have as much flexibility for 2022. Where are you drinking soup right now out of a thermos? Sorry, that's just I'm drinking great. water out of a The Athletic Yeti. Oh, wow. It was nice of the company to send that to, over I to I had Jay. to twist it to, to throw the, the logo on the, the live feed. Well, if our uh, corporate overlords are listening, I would also like an Athletic Yeti. That sounds wonderful. Uh, is it cold? I I did not have cold water in there. I just just got off a little little Peloton workout, you know, trying to get back in shape for our big one on one matchup. Oh, that's right, September 9th, I think is the date. Or I think it was September twelfth we chose, but whatever the way. second weekend in September is, that's when the big matchup will be. But back to Marcus Smart, I love him. I trust him. I think it's a solid deal for him. For he's only making north of twenty million dollars in the fourth year of that extension, so that'll be year two twenty five twenty six. And by then it'll be a new TV deal, so that the cap could be will probably even be less up. of the cap. Yeah. So I think that's like a very reasonable rate for Marcus Smart. I think the thing about it, uh, I I don't really want the Celtics to trade Marcus Smart, but now they, if they say a star does become available with him at that price, with um, the deal for Schroeder, with Josh Richardson, they have kind of salary space at kind of every single marker so if there needs to be guys thrown together like that's the kind of answer but we really haven't seen what it looks like with Marcus Smart as your starting point guard around Jalen and Jason I think Marcus Smart is probably the best playmaker on the roster right now he's never really had the full keys to the to the offense because he's always kind of been your combo guard and whether Kyrie was in here Terry Rozier or Kemba Walker and so I think it's gonna be just very interesting to see how that comes together uh, but I think it's a very reasonable deal, and I agree. It's just like you talk about like building a championship culture and things like that, and there's Celtics, it feels like the franchise is all about like culture, and Danny Ainge has gotten uh, criticized in the past for like kind of how he dealt with Isaiah Thomas and the not the loyalty thing. Marcus Smart is the longest-term, like, tenured Celtic. Everyone talks about how it's like he impacts winning, like all the kind of cliches that go around with Marcus Smart. I do think it's like a, a good to kind of – reward your guys for their hard work you don't have to go into next season having Marcus Smart be a uh, unrestricted free agent I just think it's a, a feel-good deal all around and I don't think it takes you out of the the kind of pursuit of that third star because it's a very reasonable contract that any team would probably like to take on if you do who, like whatever star comes available and so I just think it's a, a very solid deal um, for the Celtics and who knows I think we'll see what happens with Marcus Smart at the at the point guard. I think, he, like I said, I think he's the best playmaker on the team. And so 
Um, we've never really seen him kind of be in that role moving forward. Yeah, and I, I think with Smart, like, I mean, unless he gets injured and falls off because of that, like, this deal should probably be – it should probably have pretty good value the whole way through. And I think at anywhere south of a maximum contract extension offer, the Celtics probably weren't going to be able to to ink Marcus Smart. So to to get it done at the, the four-year max – I think it was fair. It like just totally fair. Um, I think it's it's good for Marcus. He gets to that security of of getting another four years, and it's good for the team because Marcus Smart, our player, like I said, he's 27 years old right now. This will take him through age 31, like when guys normally play their best basketball. And he's a guy like you said. He helped set that culture, and we talked about this a lot of the time last year like you need more guys like Marcus Smart you need more more tough guys more competitive guys more defensive minded guys um and so to bring Smart back I, I think it's smart I, I think I think it makes sense you and think then, it's uh, smart the the other ha ha, ha. the <laughs> the other deal the Robert Williams deal like that could go either way um because I think if he stays healthy and he continues on an upward trajectory. The, the progress he's shown, especially during his third season, was just really impressive. If he can do those two things, then this is going to be a steal. Um, because if, if he can stay on the court, if, if he can continue to kind of round out some of the, the rougher portions of his game, then you get a, you know, not, not like the top, top end center, but a, a very quality starting center for a very reasonable deal, but he's only his max, the max games he's played in the season is 52 and that's got to change. He, he's, he's got to stay healthy for, for this to go well. If, if he's, you know, still a part-time player, if, if his body continues to hamper him, if he's not available for the playoffs, then giving him, you know, 13 and a half million dollars a year, whatever it averages out to, then that that could go pretty bad. It, it's not like a ton of money to commit to someone because, like we said, like average starter money is is a lot these days. Um, but it's enough that it would hurt if if he does, you know, go through a, a patch of bad health. Um, but otherwise, like I think there's a lot of upside on this contract because there's a chance with Robert Williams if he plays like he started to toward the end of last season when he was healthy and can you know continue growing from that and and stay on the court then there's a chance he really outperforms this contract we just saw jared allen um who's a far more limited player signed for a hundred million dollars so i i do think there's a chance that he outperforms this and it really bends in the celtics favor but but we'll see there he's he's kind of a question mark um on a on a lot of fronts but mostly just because his body yeah, it's an entirely a bet on his health because if he comes back and plays upwards of 70 games next year and is placed to the level of he, how he's like, – he was going to get a much bigger contract than four years, $54 million. Like, you lock him in for that number and he is healthy. Like, we get, like can he reach – what do you need him to be if you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on the court? You need him basically to be like a Clint Capella-level – player in terms of just like solid defender which he clearly is and the athlete is and um vertical threat like he doesn't need to be a star player but centers in this league who can kind of do what he does 
uh, his ability to kind of switch out. He's not like the best perimeter defender, but he can kind of switch out and just his amazing leaping ability can have him block three pointers, which is wild. Uh, and it's kind of a rare skill. You just don't know, like say he has another hip injury, then it kind of gets into a shaky deal, but it feels like the type of thing, like, I, uh, I mean, obviously I'm biased and I'm going to say that the deal is an A plus no matter what, but it feels like the type of risk that you absolutely take on because you've seen his talent and there's just no way to like, I think project out whether a player is more injury prone than anyone else. Like I, 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 he has happened to uh, be injured for the for, for first three seasons of his career, but I don't know if he's necessarily like, I don't think the Celtics would give him a, a four-year extension if they thought he was like a heightened injury risk and it, like to lock in a, another starter, like, cause that's what you're doing. If you're signing him to this extension, he's going to be your starter hopefully for those four years to get him what, what the last year deal, maybe $15 million with a projected cap going up. I think that's just a, another solid um, just building block for the future. I think the question is, I call them the core four now. Uh, and this is a question that Mr. Mr. Histrix asked about Marcus Smart. Can that core four be a, a championship team? Can you win a championship with Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams as your, I guess, top four players? I don't think you can win a championship with those three as your your best three. Like, I just don't. And, and, and I, I'm saying that based on how they played last season. Now, if Tatum becomes a top five player and Jalen becomes, you know, an upper tier upper tier all-star instead of one of the last guys in, then then that could change things. Uh, to me, as I as I look at this roster, like Robert Williams is a is a big variable. He he's a a swing variable because we saw kind of exponential growth from him last season. He he went from being a player who wasn't even really used much in the playoffs the year before to being one of the most important players on the Celtics roster last season. Now, there's obviously the health questions, and there's no promise that he's going to continue growing at the rate that he has. But I, I think that there's enough there already with the passing and the athleticism and the energy that that he showed last season. Um, I mean, very few guys in the league block shots and steal the ball at a rate that he does. He's just one of the best defensive playmakers in, in the NBA really. Um, and then when you add on top of that, the, the passing and the, the lob catching, like he could be really, really good. And if he gets there, that changes things for them. Because I think if, if he gets to, to his potential, he's going to be, you know, not a, not a Jokic, not an Embiid, but whatever that next tier of centers is, he'll, he'll be, he'll be up there. And so I, I, as I look at this roster, like obviously Tatum becoming a super duper star, whatever word you want to call, like him taking the advancing into some to some other level and Jalen doing the same thing. But I, I think for all those of all those guys, like Robert Williams is the the biggest question mark and and maybe the one with the most upside left to grow into if if he does reach that potential. So you think he would need to become like clearly their third best player to kind of have them have any chance moving forward See, uh, I, as a championship. I, I think you still need another score. Like you look at the roster right now like there's very little shooting beyond Jalen and Tatum and 
So I think that the texture of the roster needs to change. I don't see how they become like a top five offense unless Tatum just goes nuclear all season. Um, it could happen though. I think that's the thing that's like the, the, we could talk about Robert Williams and I do agree that his development is important, but it feels like for like this core four to be a championship contender, you need Jason Tatum to become top five player in the game. Jason Tatum, like I, it's very hard to kind of like look back at the league recently and, and think about what a championship team is because Kevin Durant going to the Warriors just kind of like just morphed everything. Yeah. It just kind of changed everything. Like that's not a normal roster construction. I think like the, the Raptors and last year's bucks um, are more of a better comparison where you have kind of this top five or just like a, a two way talent in Kawhi and Giannis. You also have some injury luck and then you just have a very solid like veteran defensive team around them. I think that's the kind of the mold um the Celtics are going well, for both right those now. teams had all NBA guys next to them too whether it was Chris Middleton Kyle Lowry like they had an MVP Kyle Lowry caliber. was NBA all NBA NBA caliber yeah he's been all NBA I don't know how many times I think Jalen could eventually get there that guy has talked about exponential growth but I do think it's up to you need that one alpha superstar guy and I think it's interesting because you mentioned he was, he was 13 once Third team, okay. So I think six, six time All Star, like he's he was close probably every year um, to being an All NBA guy. I think the thing that's interesting is that you mentioned talking about the Marcus Smart contract, like twenty eight to thirty two is what we used to consider the prime of players' careers. Is that really the, like the case anymore? And if so, Jason Tatum has what? nine years to get like uh, go from 19 to be incoming 28 in his prime. Like we, have we seen the best of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown yet? It's kind of insane I mean, to think hope not. you really, you really hope not, but it's like, they're both still very young and have well into their, I guess, late twenties to develop more and to kind of add more into their game. I mean, Giannis got two MVPs, but still had, is not at that level uh, until this year. Also there was like obviously injury luck, but I think like you can talk about the Marcus Smart signing. You can talk about Robert Williams. I think they're solid pieces. I think like having Marcus Smart, like veteran, high intensity defense guy, solid like uh, playmaker around is like a solid piece. And I think Robert Williams, like all the reasons you mentioned, vertical spacing defense is um, very important. It can actually help accentuate the kind of the scoring for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But at the end of the day, it comes down to your two stars, becoming getting to that level where they won't let you lose a playoff series. And we haven't really seen that those two guys, because well, last year Jalen's not in the playoffs. We haven't seen those two guys playing together in a playoff series where it's like all on their shoulders, pretty impressively uh, beat the Raptors when Kemba Walker was not uh, fully Kemba Walker. And then a, a decent series against the, the heat in that Eastern conference finals. But it, no matter what the kind of the pieces are around them, it's always going to come down to how far can these two guys take you. Yeah, and and the, you know the way they played this past season, they were a long way from where they need to be to be at that level. Like you look at the Bucks, and and they had some luck to to get to where they were in winning a championship. They also had a two time MVP and. Chris Middleton, who played at a high, high level throughout that playoff run. And so can those guys get there? I don't know. 
Um, How far are we from a Jason Tatum and then, like MVP though? Like, and then the the other part is like the roster needs to make sense around them, and ob- obviously they Brad Stevens tried like on a budget, and he tried like without hampering flexibility too much um, to add veterans, and and he did so with Josh Richardson, he did so with Dennis Schroeder, he did so with Al Horford, and you know I don't. I, I still think like the offense could struggle just because there's not a ton of shooting unless Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard both pop during their sophomore years. Um, Summer I, I league just, would seem to indicate that they might when they're playing against the rookies, they are very good players. Unless they're playing <laughs> against the Kings, then yeah. they are not as good. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, like, you have to build the right type of supporting cast to give those guys a chance. If it's just, you know, the two of them, uh, and then they need to just reach a, a totally different level. Like you Tatum needs to go from 26 and a half points per game or whatever it was to like every night dominating. And, and that's a level he wasn't at last season. That's a level he needs to get to. I think the thing that's interesting is we're talking about kind of the championship potential of the Boston Celtics. I think we're talking about two or three years down the line is like what, if everything goes right, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have kind of evolved where they're both like automatic all-stars and Tatum's in the MVP discussion. Next year's kind of interesting. Cause as I mentioned, the team is the offense might struggle like Josh Richardson, kind of a weird mid range player. Doesn't necessarily like do a lot for you uh, on the offensive end. Dennis Schroeder, it's very unclear what he's going to do. It's also the first year of the Marcus Smart uh, kind of experiment. Al Horford, I think, is a very solid player, and you can run some offense through him. But he also, we haven't really seen him play in a competitive game in uh, a year and a half. And so I think it's interesting because there is a lot of flexibility. You have Schroeder on a one-year deal, Richardson on a one-year deal. Horford's contract is only uh, partially guaranteed um, for that next season. But – it's like, what do you expect from this team? Like, long-term, we can talk about these championship expectations. But next year, it's like, what do we expect from this team, especially in an Eastern Conference where uh, it seems like the Heat have gotten better, the Nets will be good, uh, the Bucs still exist. Like, what? It, I don't know if there's any reason to have championship expectations going into next year. And so it's like, what is the mentality going into next year? Is it just you're doing everything to be competitive and trying to – help those guys improve. It's just, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what the, what the focus is on. Do you try to make a deal at the deadline to like move up from sixth place and avoid the play in tournament to like battling for fourth? Cause I just, I just don't see a way in which the Celtics are in the top tier of the Nets bucks. Um, I think they're tiers above everyone else. Uh, what do you think like the expectation should be going into next season? I think the hope, is that Ime Odoka comes in and reestablishes a culture of unselfish basketball and competitive basketball. Like, too often last season, the Celtics didn't pass enough. Too often last season, the Celtics didn't defend enough. And so in his first year, can he come in and reinstill that? Can the players the Celtics brought in with Richardson, Horford, Schroeder help that enough? Can Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown kind of re 
get back to that place that the Celtics were at a couple of years ago. And obviously it was a very different, it's a very different team now than it was then with Gordon Hayward and Kemba Walker both around. Um, so you want to see that you want to see Tatum and Brown take a big step forward. You want to see Marcus smart continue to, to progress and get back to that, like all defense level where, where he's just kind of locking guys down you want to see Robert Williams stay healthy? Like there are a million things you you could say, but I, I I think it starts with reestablishing the the culture of winning basketball. They kind of got lost last season. Um, and Brad Stevens he was frustrated a lot of the year with the way the Celtics played basketball. Um, and now he's brought in a new coach, a first time coach in Udoka. Can he connect with the players? Can can he convince everyone to buy in and, and get back toward that? Uh, because Obviously, there are a lot of steps to take to become a championship contender. And I think that's the first one that the Celtics need to get to. Now, you know, Brad Stevens will have to figure out how to add more talent, better, more fitting talent, um, especially offensively, I think. But but there, there are like th- this team could be competitive when when you look at how they're they're set up, they could bring Richardson and Schroeder both off the bench. I, I think that, that that's a possibility, one possibility right now. Um, so, like, just right there, that's that's deeper than they were last season. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested to see how that works out. And then, then you want to see the young guys in Pritchard, Neesmith, Lankford, at least one of those guys pop and kind of become an important part of the team moving forward. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. I think the team has a potential to be very good defensively just because... They're going to be small, though. Like... They're going to have to really ball pressure people because I think at, at power forward, especially, they're not going to have much size. I think the potential unless they start out Horford, which could get bad in other ways. Yeah, it's going to be they're going to have like a like it's going to be curious to see what uh, Yudoka's kind of approach to that is because we saw Brad Stevens. Do you have a pencil in your hand? I do. Right, taking notes. What's what's wrong with that? Sorry for being academic, bro. That's such an academic move. So it's I've just, interrupted it, you like 12 times on this point. Sorry. It's just so I can fiddle with something. There's literally, it's not sharpened and there's not an eraser. Uh, I am not that smart. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Udoka's kind of approaches to lineups because Brad Stevens, it felt like, was constantly experimenting with new starting lineups, new just everything. It felt like the first 20 games of the season with him was always just like, let's throw shit at a wall and see what works. Is Ime going to go in and be like, these are our five guys and like kind of be like stubborn with it? Are we rolling with them? Because you can imagine Smart, Richardson, Tatum, Brown, and Robert Williams has the potential to be a very solid defensive lineup where you can get like a lot of ball pressure. Tatum, I think being at the four, no matter what lineup you run out there, is probably going to be your best lineup just because of the lack of depth at the power forward position. And so I do think the Celtics have a lot of potential to be solid defensively and kind of kind of make their reputation on that and then get by just on the scoring of Tatum and Brown uh, kind of, and then whoever kind of fills in after that, it's going to be interesting 
I'm very curious to see how they use Al Horford. Is he going to start? Is he going to come off the bench? Where is he? Because he was kind of a defensive anchor for the team back in the in the heyday, him and Aaron Baines. You were able to run these two big lineups. I don't know if that is something you can still do, but I do think the Celtics have a chance to be pretty solid defensively. I think the big issues will come in the offensive end. The thing about kind of the lowered expectations, I think it might actually be a good thing for the Celtics because they come into – the season with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. We've seen athletes, uh, Michael Jordan is famous for it, but LeBron James recently, you guys talked about it on basketball buds, like any slight they're going to take to try to use his motivation. If people like me, people who are professional sports fans are the biggest Celtics homers are basically already saying that there's no way they're a top team in the East. The Celtics come in with like a little bit something to prove. um, And I don't think anyone's going to be picking them to, win the division. I don't think anyone's going to be picking them to like come out of the East. So they do have um, kind of some built-in motivation. I thought it was interesting. The kind of over underlines came out for uh, win totals. And in the Eastern conference, obviously Brooklyn is the top with 55 and a half. Then it was Milwaukee 54 and a half. Then the uh, Sixers 51 Miami 48, and then the Celtics are tied for fifth in the East, according to Las Vegas, at 46 and a half wins. What do you think, Jay King? I know you hate making predictions, and I know we'll get to this when me, you, and Corrales pick every single game in the season. So we probably haven't done our full research yet, but I want to get your take over under Celtics 46 and a half wins. I think I would lean toward under um, just because I think. If Tatum or Brown miss time, then I'm just not sure the offense is good enough. And I think that the lack of size at power forward or just like a regular old power forward, like Al Horford, I don't think that works at power forward. I I do think the Celtics are considering trying, or at least like right now as they look ahead, they're thinking like, okay, that might be an option starting Al Horford for five minutes in each half or whatever. Um, But like you, I I think that ultimately when it comes down to winning basketball, it's going to be a bunch of, you know, versatile pieces. When Dennis Schroeder plays, the Celtics could be pretty small. I think we'll see probably a lot of three-guard lineups with him – Richardson, Smart, Pritchard. Pritchard seems like he's earned some minutes, at least with his summer league play. Yeah, so I just think that they could be very small. Um, And when you're small without a lot of shooting, (laughs) like like that that could be tough. Uh, So they're going to need to figure out how to put shooting on the court. And they're going to need Tatum and Brown to to stay healthy. So I I would lean toward the under, but I I think there's a – a universe in which, you know, Al Horford and Robert Williams stay mostly healthy and Tatum and Brown play a bunch of games and, and the the Celtics are pretty, pretty good. So I, I, I wouldn't count out like a 50 win Celtics team. I think their depth is definitely in a better place now than it was entering last season when, when Kemba was hurt and they hadn't gotten Fournier yet. Um, so I, I do think that from a, a depth perspective, they're, they're better built maybe to handle, um, some injuries, but just from scoring, like they won't be able to score and maybe they grind out some wins, but 
But the the size and lack of shooting, like those are two glaring deficiencies to me that that could be pretty impactful if if like Tatum, Brown, any of those guys miss substantial time, like they're just gonna be super duper small. Yeah. At at that point. So I would I, I would that- lean under. I'd go under. I'm going to go over because Ooh, uh, because you're the eternal optimist. I'm the eternal optimist. And as like, I think the injury point is a very good one because I think the scoring will be difficult um, if either of those two guys are out and um, maybe the ball movement offense is better. And I do think like we talk about the two big lineup and Al Horford at power forward. Um, and I feel like I just have the stain of watching Daniel Tice play power forward last year next to Tristan Thompson. I just don't – like Al Horford is clearly a much better uh, playmaker, can shoot much better than Daniel Tice. I think that's like a much better offense, uh, offensive option. My reason for going over is I'm uh, existing in the universe where Aaron Neesmith steps up and plays like 20 minutes a game. Because if he can give you consistent bench just shooting and he's a guy who can come off screens and defenses have to pay attention to him when he's in the game, he's another one of those – like he's never – like. He, He's not obviously going to guard a lot of fours, but he can switch on to fours and like be another one of those switchable defenders guys and be a little bit of a help um, just at that position of just throwing multiple wings out there. And he just has a skill set that um, shooting with size that this team desperately needs. And so in the in the internal optimist universe where Aaron Neesmith takes this big leap uh, in year two when he finally has a full kind of summer to prepare and isn't coming off an injury – I think he can make a, a pretty sizable impact. And if he is your, uh, what would he be, seventh man and just like a very solid contributor, I think that goes a long way to uh, winning a lot of games. The thing that does give me pause is, as I mentioned before, the East has gotten better. And it's not just the top of the East. I feel like the Hornets are a little bit better. The Chicago Bulls are a little bit better. Just like I feel like the ta- like the East is no longer the kind of clearly the worst conference. And so – playing a full set of either four or three games against a bunch of Eastern conference opponents. Uh, it's going to be on, like, it's going to be a battle every night. There's no, like not many cakewalks in the league other than what the Rockets, the magic and the um, Cavs. Yeah. The, the East is definitely good. Like even, even some of the teams that missed the playoffs last year, like the Hornets should be pretty good. The Pacers, should be pretty good. The, the Wizards will probably be better constructed. The, the Wizards, yeah, like th- those teams could be pretty good. And then when you think about how much Miami probably improved, and like you said, all the the top teams are still there. The the Seventy Sixers, depending on what they do with Ben Simmons, like they were the number one seed in the East last year. They they won a ton of games, and even if they they do bring back Simmons, like that that's a team that could win a lot of games again. So, yeah, it, it's going to be tough in the Eastern Conference. Um, and the Celtics will have to be good. But, yeah, we'll see. The, 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 the thing that I think is most exciting about this Celtics team, like you said, is the potential to be very scrappy and athletic defensively. Uh, I think with Smart, with Richardson, uh, with, with Tatum, with Brown, with Neesmith and Langford, if if they're ready for for substantial minutes and earn substantial minutes, I there are some guys who can who can really get after it, and and I I, I think that's the and then on the back line to have Robert Williams and Al Horford, two two centers who in different ways can can really impact the defense. Then 
I think there's a chance the Celtics have a, a pretty good defense, but but they're going to have to overcome being small and they're going to have to be really tough and gritty and, and all those like cliche things that coaches talk about because a lot of the time like they'll be leaning on their their perimeter guys to to play like very very scrappy defense and to, and to play up a position um and to to play against guys that, that maybe have more size so i i think they could be a fun team they're, they're probably like the the perfect jam packer team oh yeah no expectations everything they do is uh is going to be fun they're going to be hopefully scrappy and playing in every single game like the cliche is defense with championships defense also like puts you in a lot of games and so if you were can get the game close and then kind of put the ball in Jason Tatum's hands, seems like a pretty good formula. Maybe not for 50 wins, but a lot of close games, a lot of fun games. I just think it's uh, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a lot more fun season than it was last year, largely just because of expectations. As soon as there's expectations, fans like myself turn into absolute assholes and get furious after every loss. But if you go in the season just like thinking it's going to be a kind of slightly above average team, then you can be pleasantly surprised. Uh, we did have what, one question. What, what have you thought about Brad Stevens's first few months as as president of basketball operations? I've liked it. I mean, he's gone. He's been decisive. I like. I kind of like him just boldly like having a plan and doing it and knowing like I don't think we can keep Kemba Walker on this team and knowing that just like we're going to do what we can to get him out of town. Doing the same thing with Tristan Thompson. Um, I think signing, uh, like getting Josh Richardson for basically nothing in a trade exception makes a lot of sense to me. Um, getting Schroeder on a basically like low risk deal where either he shows up and you don't get hurt for it, avoiding paying the tax, which fans don't like to hear about because they want to have the billionaires pay the money, but it is important, um, because it is a factor. It, it seems like all the right moves so far, um, and I just like like that he's like done it and, and like kind of been decisive about what he's going to do. Uh, and so I don't know. I'm also this is the type of thing where they haven't played a game yet. And so if the Celtics start like next year five and fifteen, like then I'm going to kill Brad uh, because uh, that's what we do as reactionary fans. But like I don't know. I don't see what you can necessarily criticize him for because I think the biggest decision of the off season was we're not going to pay Evan Fournier at that number and i think he made the right decision on that because if you're going to pay marcus smart this extension you're going to pay robert williams that extension um you can't pay evan fournier 84 million dollars over the next four years and so he's done some things that i like obviously i like bringing back al horford i think it's it's kind of a good culture reset year you kind of lock in your your four guys and they have some decent veterans around them yeah i i think first of all he was he was kind of strapped and limited in what he could do because he inherited a, a team that that needed to make some cost-cutting decisions, and so the Kemba Walker trade, I, I believe, was that. Like he he didn't get rid of Kemba because he's not good at basketball anymore. He got rid of Kemba because the Celtics needed to to cut some money and kind of reset their flexibility a little bit. Um, and so I, I think that was a good start to to do that, and then. To, to get kind of Josh Richardson for basically nothing, to get Dennis Schroeder on a small one-year deal. Like, I don't love Schroeder. I don't love his game. I don't think he's like a perfect fit for the Celtics. But on on a deal 
like that, like that's a win for the Celtics to add a, a proven guy who was second and sixth man of the year voting a couple years ago and who can add instant offense. That That's a win for, for Brad. Do you think Schroeder coming off the bench like can be a kind of the scoring punch the Celtics need? Like if he just gives them what 15, 16 points a game coming like as the kind of change of pace guy off the bench, does that kind of bridge the gap in lineups that Tatum and Brown are not playing? I think I think the his role is very interesting because he he could be any, he could be anything from a starter to a bench guy. Um, when he was in Oklahoma City, when he had his best year. They played a lot of three pretty, guard lineups pretty regularly with three guard lineups with Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's like point guard size, uh, um, but a, a long point guard at small forward, and ne- he played next to Chris Paul, so he can play in those smaller lineups. He he can kind of be a, a pest defensively, even though he's he's not a a very good defender, um, and then. You know, things things didn't work out great in L.A., but it's tough to fit next to LeBron when you're a guy who kind of needs the, the ball in your hands a little bit. So I think, I he, think, know, I think he knows he needs to reset his value and, and reestablish his value around the league. And that can go wrong when guys are gunning for their own personal success. But I, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of um, motivation for him to be really good this season. Optimist brain, like how much have we talked about the Celtics struggling to score when Jason Tatum's on the bench? Like, and, and last year there was no one you really gave the ball to who could go and just like get their own shot or like really attack the basket. Like, if Schroeder's just in, is it Schroeder? Schroeder? That's what the Schroeder, umlaut. Schroeder. Schroeder, umlaut. Um, if he's just that guy who can come in off the bench and like, okay, it's Dennis's time to cook for four minutes a game like in these stretches and just like trying to score as many like even if he is playing selfishly just trying to get buckets I think that benefits the Celtics who are just looking for some form of like just reliable offense um when Tatum's not on the court but one thing I think is gonna be interesting um it just goes back to our Marcus Smart at point guard conversation is do they have the kind of this uh, egalitarian ball movement offense or is it gonna be Like last year we saw the ball in Jason Tatum's hands as the primary playmaker a lot. And is it going to be kind of everyone gets a chance, everyone's moving the ball, or is it going to be a lot of Jason Tatum, or is it going to be a lot of uh, Marcus Smart? I'm kind of curious to see how that uh, unfolds because Tatum made a lot of strides as a playmaker and as a passer, um, but is that your kind of your best option moving forward? Uh, And I was just kind of curious – how that plays out. What if it doesn't click immediately? Then you, you just go back to kind of Tatum. Here's the ball and everyone get out of the way. Yeah. I think based on what Ime Odoka has said, you know, he, he is going to stress to Tatum and Brown that they need to be playmakers, that they need to be better passers, that they need to involve their teammates every step of the way. But I also think that, you know, it's smart to continue to load up those guys with, with heavy, heavy usage. And, if if you look at the splits that Tatum had with and without Kemba Walker on the court last year, when he was without Kemba, his usage went way up. His scoring went way up. Um, and and I think that you'll see more of that this season without Kemba. Now, what does that look like? Um, is Marcus Smart initiating the offense and then Tatum is just the, the scorer, playmaker on the other side? Like, there's a lot that Ime Udoka has to decide. 
but but I do think like Tatum is going to get the ball more and more often and and the decisions he makes are going to be severely severely important I, I think it it's probably unfair to him that we always lump him in with Jalen Brown when we're talking about them needing to be better playmakers because he's far more advanced than Jalen on that front and I I do think that you know the giving him the ball more often and, and letting him be in charge of the offense more often is probably the route the Celtics should take moving forward, but, but he's going to have to grow and, and kind of continue to, to make great and better decisions um, as he evolves and, and the team evolves. I'm interested to see what it looks like. Like I, I, I want to see what he puts, puts in for their offense um and the the system he builds and kind of how 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 it all looks because we know how brad stevens wanted to play um we know that they kind of veered away from that last season and how do how does udoka play he's he learned under pop he has stressed ball movement from literally day one when he got the job his his intro press conference that was one of the first things he said about the style he wants to play so we'll see we'll see i think it's one of the reasons why i think neesmith playing well is important because I'm just imagining plays over it's Tatum running a pick and roll with either Horford or Robert Williams and Horford gives you like the pick and pop, but like time Lord really gives you the, that vertical spacing, but who's the guy in that corner that you can throw the ball to if the defense like kind of sags in, you'd much rather it be at this point, Aaron Neesmith than Josh Richardson or Schroeder has can kind of hit the three, but if, if like a reliant guy in that corner Uh, If it's not Jalen Brown, like you need someone who's just a solid, consistent three point shooter. And so um, I know I'm hearing the whispers for the start Neesmith. I don't know if it's going to happen early on, but um, we shall see. Exactly. Uh, Matas Baranowskis, uh, our Greek brethren, uh, Yasu. uh, Shout out to Demos Restaurant in Watertown Square. Um, The final thing we got to wrap up. I think it's the debate everyone's been waiting for. 15th roster spot. Jabari versus Carson. You love the Jabari Carson stuff. Who you got, Jay? Jabari Parker or Carson Edwards? 15th roster spot. If I were the Celtics, I would try to get a veteran at the minimum and just like a veteran like Jabari Parker, who's only like 26 years old. I mean, a veteran who could help um, like Jabari Parker and play defense. (laughs) I, I, I mean, it, it all depends on how Jabari has treated this offseason. If if the Celtics have seen him put in the the work on his body, put in the work on his defense, then I, I do think he's a talented guy who can put the ball in the bucket and give them a, a different element as a scoring power forward. But, like... I, I it's did. sad how fast he turned on Jabari Parker. You're the biggest Jabari Parker hype man when he was signed last year. He had one big game in the playoffs. You were excited, and now you just throw him away like trash, Jay. It's it's gross. So you're you're a Jabari guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm much more of a Jabari guy than Carson Edwards. What has that guy done? Nothing. He's not an NBA player. Tell me I'm wrong. He is technically an NBA player. I mean, technically he gets paid to pee in the NBA, so I am wrong. Uh, <laughs> well done. You won that argument. Uh, we're going to actually end this episode with uh, just saying a uh, 
Happy birthday to Jay King. How old did you turn this weekend? I'm washed, man. I'm I'm 34 these days. So. 34. Jay, is getting older potable? I guess it is. Anything is potable!